0: The holiday of uh, Purim is coming up next week. The holiday of Purim is coming up next week. We're all getting ready for the uh, festivities. One of the important themes or messages about Purim is that the whole world at that time had gone topsy-turvy. Everything that everyone thought was supposed to happen, the opposite was happening. We're supposed to find ourselves on the holiday of Purim with ourselves, sort of in that topsy-turvy world. It's one of the reasons uh, it's popular to uh, imbibe a little bit more than you normally do. The rabbis tell us you're supposed to drink enough that you don't know the difference between blessed Mordechai and cursed Haman. What's interesting, though, right now, in our day, is that in many ways, I feel like we find ourselves in somewhat a topsy-turvy world. The last few weeks have been intense. We've seen dozens of incidents against the Jewish community around the country, seen Bomb threats at JCCs and ADL offices. At least three cemeteries around the country were desecrated, St. Louis, Philadelphia, and Rochester. And in an example of just how topsy-turvy this world is, in St. Louis, it was the Muslim community that stepped up to the plate and raised close to $200,000 to help repair and clean and fix the Jewish cemetery in St. Louis. In an example of just how topsy-turvy this world is, just when we thought that many of these incidents were perpetrated by anti-semitic, white supremacists, neo-Nazis, it turns out that at least eight of them were perpetrated by someone Juan Thompson, left wing African American, who did it because he was trying to get back at an ex lover. He's trying to frame her for having uh, made these uh, phone calls or emails. And yet, another example of the topsy turvy world that we're living in, there was word that some in the administration were blaming the Jews themselves for making these calls, to try to blame it on the administration. And in fact, I even had some colleagues, some rabbinic colleagues, who were making that very same claim on Facebook. And whether or not it's true, what's clear is we're now suddenly living in a world where at least I'm having a difficult time discerning what's true and what's fake from either side. That's the world that we're living in. And all these things leave us with a sense of being a little unsettled. Leave us with a little sense of fear. Even when these things turn out to be hoaxes, they have a cumulative effect on us psychologically. And all this is taking place in, of all places, the United States of America. I'm not sure there's ever been a time or place in the world where Jews have felt more comfortable, safer, to be Jews, to behave like Jews, to practice our tradition, than we have Here in the United States today and at the same time over the last couple of weeks there's been a bit of fear a bit of trepidation nervousness that has crept into our community to the point where we have had to send out letters to our members to parents in the ECC allaying their fears about our security, we've had to attend community-wide meetings about security, two taking place here in less than a week, we've had to review our safety and evacuation protocols here at the synagogue, we have to have safety and evacuation protocols here at the synagogue, Sadly, none of this is really new for us. Many times we've lived in times and places where we were lulled into a false sense of security. We had to be ready to move at a moment's notice. We were literally kicked out of just about every country in Europe throughout the ages. The notion of us being a people on high alert and on being ready to move at any moment goes all the way back to biblical times, in fact goes back to our very Torah portion that we read this morning. God presents to Moses the blueprints for the Mishkan, for the tabernacle, for the Aron, for the Ark, and for all of the other accoutrements that would be used in this portable worship space. And the key is portable. The way it was designed, it was designed very much like an erector set or Legos. We snap together and take it apart. The different pieces, the heavier pieces, they would put special rings on them and they would build special poles that they would, when they were ready to move, pile them up together, stick the pole through the rings and then people would be able to carry the heavier equipment as they traveled from one place to another. They would be able to fold up all of the tapestries and all of the cloths that would uh, make up the tabernacle. Even the altars had these rings with the poles that they could put through when they were ready to carry them. But there was one exception, and that was the ark, the aron, the ark of the covenant. It too had rings, four rings, one on each corner so that a pole could be slipped through so that they could uh, carry it as they traveled from one place to another. But the text says that the poles were made permanent. They could not be removed, even when the Aron was sitting stationary in the Kodesh HaKodeshim, in the Holy of Holies. And of course, the rabbis asked the question, why is it that the the poles, the poles that they would use to move the Aron, why were they left on the Aron? Why didn't they remove them like all of the other equipment that they had? And the answer the rabbis give is because the Aron had to be able to be moved at a moment's notice. All the other things could be left behind if the Israelites had an emergency and had to move in an instant. The one thing that could not be left behind was the Aron, was the Ark. And so the poles were made permanent so that the Israelites could move it at a moment's notice. And the message to the Israelites, the message to us was that, in fact, we need to be prepared to do that. And look back at history. There's been many times in our history where we have had to do that. It was the same answer for the Israelites. It was the same answer for the people living in Judea in the time of Nebuchadnezzar from Babylonia. Vespasian from Rome. It was the same answer that the Jews of Spain had to live by in 1492. It was the same answer the Jews of Europe had to live by during World War II and the Holocaust. And it's the same answer that unfortunately we have to live by today. I'm not suggesting that here in the United States, at any moment, we have to get up and move. But it's clear from the last weeks that as much as we feel comfortable and safe in this country, there is what to fear. Because even if in fact these are all hoax, even in fact they were perpetrated by people who had no real, necessarily, hatred for the Jewish community, The fact that they so easily targeted the Jewish community says something. The fact that they even thought that if they wanted to affect a community and make a difference in what they were doing and saying that the Jewish community was ripe for that tells us that we have what to fear. And what's the answer? The answer is the same as it was for the Israelites. For the Jews in Judea, for the Jews in Spain, for the Jews in Europe, and for the Jews today. The answer is, we have each other. And as a Jewish community, we have to make sure that we come together to support each other. That we come together to look out for each other. That we strengthen the bonds of the Jewish community. To make sure that we are strong and united and can stand up to all of these attacks on the Jewish community. But it means that we have to come together. It means that we have to say something. It means that we have to stand up and not sit back and be complacent and ignore them as simple jokes, simple hoaxes. The message of the Ark From this morning's Torah reading is the message that we need to be constantly on alert, ever ready to be able to protect ourselves as a community. Shabbat Shalom.